So as many of you know, we are learning about and following the church calendar here at Rock and Refuge. And this weekend is the first weekend of a new season in that calendar, which is Lent. Some of you may be very familiar with Lent. You may have grown up in churches that practiced it or um, been there previously. Some of you may be hearing about it for the first time today. Uh, but wherever you are, we're going to be taking a look today at what Lent is, why we celebrate it, and most importantly, the three traditional practices that we can observe during this holy season. So just as we have the season of Advent to help us prepare to celebrate the birth of Jesus, Lent is designed to be a preparation time for our hearts and our minds so that we can prepare to celebrate Jesus' death and resurrection. But we know that Advent is a really joyful time. We're excited. We're looking forward to Christmas. We're doing our shopping and our decorating. But Lent feels a little different. It's a somber time because we're looking ahead to Holy Week and we know what's coming. We know that Jesus is going to be betrayed. We know that his closest friends desert him. Some of them deny him. We know that he's going to stand trial. We know that our Savior is going to die on the cross. We know that's coming. But it's not all doom and gloom because we've read the end of the story. So I love the way that in the Eastern tradition, they actually call Lent a time of bright sadness because there is a sober feel to it. It, was, it is a time of self-reflection. The cross is looming in the distance, but we know that's not the end of the story. There's sorrow for a time, but joy comes in the morning. According to the church calendar, Lent officially begins on Ash Wednesday, which was this past Wednesday, and it lasts for the 40 days that precede Easter. Now, we know that numbers in the Bible almost always mean something, and 40 is no exception. So we know that in the Old Testament, Moses and Elijah both fasted for 40 days. And very familiar to all of us, we know that the nation of Israel spent 40 years wandering in the desert while they were waiting for God to lead them into the promised land. The number 40 typically indicates a time of testing, trial, penance, purification, and renewal. And the number 40 is especially significant as we look at Lent because it's meant to help us identify with the 40 days that Jesus himself spent fasting and praying in the wilderness, being tempted and tested before he began his earthly ministry. So you just heard Noah read in the gospel that story, and we hear, you know, Jesus spent that time connecting with God, being in communion with him, so that even though his body was completely exhausted, his spirit was so strong, and he was able to stand up under all the temptations, all the tests, everything that the enemy could throw at him. So likewise, the 40 days of Lent are meant to be a time of personal reflection and renewal for those of us that belong to Jesus, as we remember that it's our sin that made the cross necessary. It's a time for us to go deeper and to grow in our faith, and that makes the celebration of Easter so much sweeter. So what then do we actually do? There are three very specific practices at the heart of Lenten tradition that we can take hold of. Two of them are directly related to that story in the gospel of Jesus's temptation in the wilderness, fasting and prayer. The third practice is that of almsgiving. 
And we're going to take a few minutes this afternoon to look at each of those three practices and explore the really practical ways that we can carry them out in our lives between now and Easter. So the goal is that you can leave here with very specific ideas of this is how I can personally make Lent a meaningful time. Fasting is perhaps the most well-known of the Lenten disciplines. Uh, Most of us have probably heard of someone giving something up for Lent. We know um, Catholics typically don't eat meat on Fridays. Maybe some of you have given something up for Lent as well. I grew up in a liturgical church and we did all the things and I knew I was supposed to give something up. And so I remember I was younger than my kids are now and my favorite snack was Gibble's cheese curls. Like they, oh, they're so good. They just hit different than all the other cheese curls. And so in my childlike desire to do the good thing, I decided I was going to give up my cheese curls for Jesus. And I proudly and very righteously told everyone, no, I cannot have those. I've given those up for Lent. And I remember so clearly that Easter morning because my mom, she got this big, fresh, unopened bag of the Gibbles cheese curls, and that was front and center in my Easter basket. I woke up and I feasted on cheese curls for breakfast. It was amazing and glorious, but it didn't bring me any closer to Jesus. It had no real spiritual significance. So, I mean, I remember the yumminess, but that's all that it meant. And in hindsight, I realized that fasting is meant to be something much deeper. It's not about this um, self-deprecation. It's not about delayed gratification so that we get really excited about our Easter basket. And it's not just so that we have an answer when somebody says, oh, what are you giving up for Lent? Biblically, fasting was a way for people to eliminate distractions and focus on God. The purpose of fasting is to draw us closer to him. It was never supposed to be about looking good to other people. In fact, Jesus calls out people who do that, right? Remember in Matthew 6, 16 through 18, he tells his followers this, when you fast, do not look somber like the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So the whole point is that fasting is to draw us closer to help us connect with God. So how? Well, fasting looks a little different for each individual person. Some people choose to literally refrain from eating, not for 40 whole days. Bad idea, do not do. But some people choose to only only eat two meals a day, or some people will eat one full meal a day and two light little snacks. Some people continue to eat their meals as normal, but they forego something in particular, like eating meat. Um, I know you guys know the Sickles Rose last year decided to give up meat uh, for Lent. Um, some folks give up desserts. Some people choose to completely abstain from alcohol or they give up their morning coffee. The idea, though, is that the time that you would normally have spent eating that meal or enjoying that drink gets spent with God instead. So perhaps you take that time to sit and read your Bible, or maybe you take that time to pray, which we'll talk about in a minute. Maybe you read a devotional book, or perhaps I know some of you really connect with God through music. Maybe you make a special worship playlist and you listen through that. Rather than focusing on the thing that you're going without, 
the idea is to focus on filling yourself with the things of God. Another option for putting this in practice is to look at fasting a little more figuratively. So instead of focusing on actual food and drink, you can examine your heart and see if there's something else that God is asking you to let go of for a little while. And this one is probably going to hurt a little more than giving up your favorite snack. I know that it does for me. Are you spending more time looking at your phone than looking at your Bible? Are you addicted to a particular game that occupies more of your thought life than Jesus does? Are you quick to gossip or eager to complain? Do you fill your free time with something that is not aligned with the heart of God? If the Spirit stirred your heart for one of those questions, it may be that God is challenging you to fast from that thing for a season. He might be nudging you to let go of something that you're holding on to. Because I know I've learned that it's only when our hands are open and not holding on to other things that God can fill them with something new. So the first step to fasting is figuring out what it is that we're fasting, to prayerfully consider what is God asking me to surrender for the next 40 days. Then once you do, replace it for the next 40 days with something that helps to draw you closer to him. The second of the Lenten disciplines, and definitely my favorite, is prayer. Because every time that I stop to think about the fact that the God of the universe who created everything gave us this super simple way to actually communicate with him, it blows my mind. Because imagine for a second that you wanted to have a one-on-one conversation with King Charles or with the president or a different president of the United States. There would be countless hoops to jump through, right? Imagine what you'd have to do. There would probably be paperwork. They'd probably run a background check on you. And there would certainly be a whole line of other people that you had to talk to before you actually got in front of the person you actually wanted to talk to. And let's be honest with ourselves. The reality is probably no one in this room would ever actually get in the same room with the leader of a country because according to this world's standards, none of us are wealthy enough or powerful enough. But that's not the way it works with God. With man, the conversation would end before it ever began. But with God, literally any time that we want to talk to him, we can. Whether it's in the middle of the night, in the middle of the day, in the middle of church, before a meal, before a test, through our tears and in our joy, God is listening always. There is no line. There is no paperwork to fill out. There is no test to pass. He's just here always. There's no time or place that we can't call on his name and know that he hears the cries of our hearts. And he knows us personally. And unlike what the world says, God says, you're important enough. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now, many of you know that one of the highlights of our life is that Dan and I host a high school or um, young person Bible study in our home on Friday evenings called the Holy Donut Club. And recently, after some prompting from some of those kids, including mine, we ended up with a box of 100 tiny Jesus figures from Amazon. They are positively adorable. And the idea is that they're small enough to put just about anywhere in your house or even in your pocket. 
You can carry him with you as a reminder that he's with you wherever you go and that you can talk to him at any time, which is pretty great. So everyone got at least one of these tiny Jesuses. Kelly's got hers back there. (laughs) It was in her purse. Um, Everybody got one of these tiny Jesuses to take home. And I've seen photo evidence from the kids, like they'll take pictures of what Jesus is doing. So Jesus has watched Ev play softball. Uh, He has helped Tenzin with his math homework. (laughs) Ev's like, I didn't know he was there. Uh, But (laughs) I've seen pictures of these little guys everywhere, um, which is super awesome. And the fun didn't stop there because the kids decided that it would be extra fun to hide all of these Jesuses around our house. So literally anywhere that we stand on the main level, we can see at least one tiny Jesus, if not a whole handful of them. And I mean everywhere. He was on top of a blade on the ceiling fan. Yesterday, I found one courtesy of Dexter, I believe, that was in the bathroom on the top of a door frame. So you saw him when you were washing your hands in the mirror he was watching. Uh, I mean, everywhere. He's, uh, he was in with my throw pillows and blankets. He's been by the TV. He was, Dan put one on the heat register. He even joined in it. Um, and so everywhere, everywhere, <laughs> there's a tiny Jesus. Um, but I have to admit that I actually really love it. Because not only is it something really funny and special that we share with our kids that we minister to, it's also a really great visible reminder of God's omnipresence. He is everywhere. And it reminds me throughout the day as I'm just like doing random things like getting my coffee and there's Jesus in the fridge. I'm like, oh, hi. And it's a great reminder. Yeah, Jesus is with me. Yeah, I can talk to him. I can pray right now. The conversation is always open. God is always there and always listening. And hopefully that all of us take advantage of this opportunity to communicate with God every day, all seasons, all year long. But during Lent, I want to encourage you to focus some of your prayer time on a few specific things, self-reflection and repentance for anything that might need to change in your life. And it's also a really great time for us to focus on God's infinite mercy and thank him for that. Thank him for the grace that he's extended to us that we've never done anything to deserve and couldn't do anything to deserve. To help you focus your prayers for Lent, there are tons of resources out there. Lots of them are free. I know I love free things. Um, There's lots of ministries and websites and apps that have free 40-day devotionals and prayers, things that you can download. Some of them are print copies for those of you who are not internet fans. Um, My personal favorite thing, if you do have your phones, um, is an app called Lectio, and it's run by Pete Gregg and the 24-7 Prayer Ministry. I know some of you guys studied the book Dirty Glory at one point. It's those folks that put that out. And um, basically, it's designed to lead you in a morning prayer and an evening prayer. So anytime during the day, in the morning and at night, you can listen to these. Um, They're recorded, and the people have really fun accents who read them. So I like to listen to them. But if you need to read them yourself, you can also read the text yourself. But it takes like five or 10 minutes, and they just kind of walk you through a prayer that gives you time to reflect and pray personally. And it also reads some scripture. Um, But I do it all year long, but I particularly enjoy it during times like Lent and Advent because they celebrate them too. And so they focus on these kinds of topics and will help with that um, as well. So that's just a plug for Lectio. Um, It's a free app. So if you're interested in that to help you through your prayer time. Um, Then the final Lenten discipline is almsgiving, which in our modern language is simply caring for other people. 
It's the practice of giving something away, whether it's our time, our money, our other resources for the benefit of someone else. And that can look a lot of different ways, but scripture makes it very, very clear that God cares about how we treat other people. He cares deeply about every individual person, and he expects us as his body to follow that example. Remember, Jesus tells a story that's about sheep and goats, but it's really about us. And he says that when he comes in glory, he's going to separate people into two groups. And the first group, the people on his right, he's going to say, come, you are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance. There's this kingdom that's been prepared for you since the beginning of the world. Because I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. You invited me in. I needed clothes. You clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And those people, remember they answer and they say, Lord, when? When did we see you and do those things? We don't remember that. And Jesus says, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. And then he turns to the other group, that group we do not want to be in, and he sends them away from him. And he says, you did not invite me in, clothe me or visit me or care for me. And they say, oh, Lord, when did that happen? Of course we would have done that for you. When did we ignore you? And he says, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. So it's very, very clear that what we do for others matters deeply to God. And there are infinite ways that we can practically do this. We can look out for others and care for them, showing kindness and charity. We can make financial contributions to help people who are in need. We can give physical things, clothing, food to people in our community who are lacking resources. We can volunteer our time to visit folks who are in nursing homes or rehabilitation facilities. Recently, after studying about how much God cares for orphans and widows, our high school Bible study decided to fill backpacks for foster kids, and they actually went shopping, and they bought shampoo and toiletries and pajamas and stuffed animals and things for the kids and made the backpacks that the system then gives out when a child enters the foster system. And I loved that because it was such a tangible way to actually get in there and meet a need for someone in a hard place. And there's tons of other opportunities like that if you seek them out. Um, Our kindness and our alms can take other forms too. I have a group of ladies in my life who like to craft the way that I do. And we like to do projects that we share to bless other people. One time we made handmade cards that we then gave to actually Grace's deacons so that they could be sent out to folks when they were sick or had had a loss or something like that. Uh, We also have made um, like little sock snowmen and sent them to shut-ins and people just to let them know that they're being thought of. We made huggy heart pillows, which got donated to a hospital for patients that had had heart surgery to help relieve the pressure on that incision. And then most recently, um, spearheaded by my mom, who couldn't be here today, but has the biggest heart I know, she had us making these little quilted fabric hearts that have a label on them. And all they say are, take me home as a reminder that you're loved. And we hang them in public places. So we like to walk at Cape Horn Park and Panther Park, and we'll just hang them in the trees. Or um, Beth, who's here sometimes with us, um, she hung some at Westminster Library and the Duck Pond. And the idea is sometimes, you know, we think about people in need being a certain group of people, but there's 
everybody needs something. And a lot of times, you know, there are people who have needs that we can't see. And it could be, you know, with Valentine's Day, I know there are people who have lost spouses and who are feeling that. You're feeling that loneliness. And people who maybe don't have a Valentine or, you know, something has happened and they're feeling lonely. And so it's just an encouragement and a reminder that you're seen and loved and cared for by someone you don't even know. So that's just another of many, many examples of ways that small acts of kindness that we do can impact someone. So no matter what way you would choose to do it, I encourage you to think and find a way to incorporate some type of purposeful kindness and charity into your life over the next 40 days above and beyond what you might ordinarily do. So fasting, prayer, and almsgiving. These three practices have helped Christians throughout the centuries since Jesus' death and resurrection to reflect and prepare for Easter. They guide us through this season of bright sadness, making the joy of Easter Sunday so much sweeter. So my encouragement for you today is whether you've celebrated Lent your whole life or you're just hearing about it for the first time today, find a way to practice these three disciplines this year. Prayerfully consider what God might be asking you to fast from in order to spend more time in his presence. Make prayer time a priority, focusing on repentance and self-reflection, and find a way to give to others, modeling the care that God has for every single person created in his image. And to help you remember to do this, I have a little gift for you to take home. Tidy Jesus. So <laughs> when you come up, we're going to go into a time of communion. And as you come up to take communion, there's going to be a box of all the little tiny Jesuses and everybody can take one. Um, and I just want you to place them in a spot where you're going to see him every day or you can carry him with you in your purse or your pocket just to remind you to think about him and to think about these things as we're in this Lenten season. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the church year. We thank you for the way that you give us set aside holy times that are set apart for special things. And in this case, the special thing is preparing our hearts to remember and to focus on what you did for us, on the gift that you gave to us when you went to the cross in our place. And we just ask that over the next 40 days, you would help us to purposefully seek you out, to reflect, to repent. We pray that you would give us wisdom for what to fast from in our lives so that we can get rid of distractions and focus on you. We ask that you would help us to be intentional in our prayer time and intentional in the way that we engage with the other people around us in our lives. We thank you uh, for what's coming. We thank you that although there will be sadness in remembering what you went through, there is so much joy that's coming and a glorious celebration of your resurrection. And we just ask your guidance as we walk through this journey together. And we lift these things in Jesus' name. Amen.